rooster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I'm Deborah Valentine. Here's your top five at five. This, this is the top five at five. A blast of wintry weather for the tri-state area causing dangerous conditions out there on the roadways. It's a mixed bag of snow, rain and wind. The latest on Saturday's fatal subway push of an Asian woman at the 42nd Street subway station. Prosecutors are quitting the office of new Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg following his soft on crime policies. More speculation of a presidential rematch between, yes, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in 2024. Scientists are speculating that there will be more COVID-19 variants that emerge around the globe. A blast of winter to the tri-state area this morning, bringing winds and dumping a mix of rain and snow. The dicey weather continuing into today. Snow started about 7 o'clock last night, but has since changed over to mostly rain. New York's Governor Kathy Hochul Sunday urged New Yorkers to stay off the roads to avoid getting stranded. She didn't want a repeat of a situation seen earlier this month. Down in Virginia, where motors were trapped on roadways for more than 24 hours during a severe winter storm. New York's governor also warning of flooding in coastal areas of Long Island, potential power outage due to high winds. I'm saying right now, prepare for the worst. Have enough food, have enough batteries in your in your flashlights. Be prepared for what could be happening this event or other snow events as we're still in the early months of winter. So officials say the State Department of Transportation has about 4,000 personnel working through the storm with another 20,000 mobilized just in case winds up to 60 miles per hour and coastal flooding are forecast across Long Island and in Connecticut along the Sound. The ex-con who is under arrest for fatally shoving an Asian woman right into the path of an oncoming subway train at the 42nd Street station told reporters he shoved Melissa Alyssa go because he is God. Eyewitnesses to this horror saw Maria Cosweber standing feet away from the homeless ex-con when he shoved go. She says... He showed no emotion as he shoved go. The suspect, 61-year-old Simon Marshall, fled the 42nd Street subway station initially after allegedly shoving this woman right into the R train early Saturday. But he then turned himself into police. He faces now a charge of murder. Did you push the woman on the tracks? Yeah, because I'm God. Yes, I did. Why? Because I'm God. I couldn't do it. Why? Why? I'm God. All right, there's Simon Marshall telling reporters, because I'm God, the victim. In the subway, Pushko is Asian, but the NYPD says the fatality is not being investigated as a hate crime. Meanwhile, New York City Mayor Eric Adams said Saturday that law enforcement was working with the office of new Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg in discussing charges in the high-profile case. Meanwhile, nine prosecutors from Bragg's office have quit since Bragg announced his soft-on-crime policies. Bragg's controversial day one memo was issued on January 3rd. He told assistant DAs not to seek prison sentences for many criminals and to downgrade some felonies to misdemeanors. Here's New York Representative Lee Zeldin on Newsmax last week. 
DA stands for district attorney, not defense attorney. If he wants to keep criminals out of prison, he should go be a defense attorney. He has a job where he took an oath to enforce the law. It's not up to him to decide that across the board, all sorts of different crimes should go without prosecution. Zeldin is the Republican frontrunner in the New York governor's race. Meanwhile, Bragg's policies have led to an online petition calling for his removal among those who have departed the DA's offices. Senior trial counsel Joan Aluzzi Orban. Now, she, you'll remember, successfully prosecuted Harvey Weinstein. She also won a 2016 conviction in the infamous 1975-9 murder of Ethan Pats. More speculation of a Trump-Clinton repeat. 77 WABC host Dick Morris, a one-time top advisor to former President Bill Clinton, says there's a good chance of a 2024 rematch between Hillary Clinton and ex-President Donald Trump. Now, Morris said Sunday that if Democrats lose control of Congress in the 2022 midterms, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris will be toast. Morris thinks that'll pave the way for a second Hillary bid with husband Bill playing as architect of her new strategy. Here's Morris on Cat's Roundtable with 77 WABC owner and operator John Katsimatidis. Because she's positioned herself as the Democratic alternative to Biden, not just to Biden, but to the extreme left in the Democratic Party. All right, so an op-ed last week in the Wall Street Journal made the case for a 2024 Clinton run, saying the poor polling numbers for Biden and Harris, as well as Harris's own unpopularity, could open the door for the former first lady. Trump hasn't officially announced whether he'll make a second bid for the White House. 77 WABC News Time, 507. Time for a check on traffic and transit. Well, the weather making a mess of things out there on the roads. If you have to head out, you definitely want to plan a lot of extra time. Deegan southbound, we've got some flooding out there. No access between the Cross Bronx and Yankee Stadium. More flooding on the Grand Central eastbound over by the BQE. BQE, a lane or two down over by Astoria Boulevard with water on the roadway. Verrazano upper deck closed in both directions because of the high winds. Alternate side suspended for the holiday. Meter rules remain in effect. I'm Brandy Scott on Sock Radio. 77 WABC. All right. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We do have a wind advisory in effect until 8 o'clock this morning. We will likely see a continuation of rain showers until early afternoon, then a slight chance of snow showers after 4 this afternoon. Cloudy skies. Temperatures will fall to around 37 by 4 this afternoon. Winds could gust as high as 33 miles per hour. Cloudy skies tonight, then gradual clearing towards daybreak. The low overnight, 26. So, of course, icing conditions are possible. The wind chill overnight between 15 and 25 degrees. Right now, we're remaining above freezing with rain and some wind. Well, in our top five at five, the last story to tell you about scientists predicting that Omicron won't be the last version of the coronavirus to emerge around the globe. The latest strain of COVID-19, Omicron, spread faster than its predecessor despite immunity from things like vaccines and recovered COVID victims. And that means more people in whom the virus can further evolve. A lot of questions about the 44-year-old British man shot dead by police after holding four people hostage at a synagogue north of Dallas in Texas over the weekend. Now, authorities say this 44-year-old was a British Muslim, Malik Faisal Akram, from Blackburn in the U.K. He flew to the United States just two weeks ago. 
He apparently lived in homeless shelters and also bought a gun on the streets despite his criminal background. Akram died in a hail of bullets following a 10-hour standoff Saturday at Congregation Beth Israel Synagogue in Colleyville. That's 27 miles from Dallas. Here's Colleyville Police Chief Michael Miller. Colleyville is one of the safest cities in Texas, and uh, these are something, this is something that you don't ever expect to have in your own city. The dead man's family said Akram suffered from mental health issues. However, Concerns of a wider plot surfaced over the weekend as two teenagers were arrested over this incident by anti-terror officers in South Manchester. Akram had demanded the release of Lady Al-Qaeda, who's serving 86 years at FMC Carswell, New York, for the attempted murder of a U.S. military personnel, according to an ABC News report. Now, two teenagers arrested in Manchester remain held in connection with the incident. Further details have not yet been released and why this man was allowed to buy a weapon as well with his criminal past, of course, remain unanswered. More on that attack. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham is firing back at the FBI after they appeared to dismiss the attack as not being directly targeted against Jewish people. Here's FBI special agent in charge, Matt DeSarno. I do not have any information right now that indicates that this is part of any kind of ongoing threat. We obviously are investigating. We'll continue to investigate the hostage taker, his contacts. Our investigation will have global reach. We have been in contact already with multiple FBI legats to include Tel Aviv and London. All right. In a series of tweets, Graham vented his frustration with the FBI, appearing to ignore the fact that Saturday's attack targeted a religion that has long been subjected to violent and often murderous anti-Semitic hatred. One of his tweets read, it is very disturbing to hear from the FBI. They do not believe the hostage takers demands had anything to do with the Jewish faith. And Graham continued saying the statement by the FBI seems ill-conceived and ill-timed. I look forward to further explanation from the FBI. And people on social media were also quick to criticize DeSarno's statement. More on the storm that is affecting us here at home. This storm has a nickname, Saskatchewan, the Saskatchewan Screamer, causing chaos across much of the country, bringing things like tornadoes, heavy snowfall, and power outages for nearly a quarter million people, as well as cancellations of 2,700 flights. Hopefully someone open up, you know, but right now it's just a waiting game for me right now. All right, AccuWeather forecasters said after unleashing its fury across the southeast on Sunday, the extreme weather expected to batter states along the Atlantic later today. And AccuWeather also says by the time the storm is through, 100 million Americans will likely have felt its effects. The Weather Channel says snow expected to be heaviest today from western Maryland and Pennsylvania through Maine, with some regions likely to see 12 inches of snow. One of the hardest hit states is North Carolina, with 25 counties declaring a state of emergency and more than 200 car crashes being reported. Well, finger-pointing among desperate Democrats, it's all over the party's failure to move President Joe Biden's legislative agendas forward, including his ambitious nearly $2 billion Build Back Better plan and efforts to change the filibuster rules. The U.S. Senate evenly divided, of course, 50-50, with strife ahead of the 2022 midterms. 
Democratic Socialist Bernie Sanders of Vermont said Democrats won't win the 2022 midterms unless the base is energized. He told the New York Times, clearly the current strategy is failing and we need a major course correction. On Saturday, the Reverend Al Sharpton and other civil rights leaders went public with their anger at Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema. The U.S. Senator from Arizona's speech last Thursday on the U.S. Senate floor torpedoed Bush's push to scrap the filibuster in order to pass his election legislation. Threats to American democracy are real. I share the concerns of civil rights advocates and others I've heard from in recent months about these state laws. I strongly support those efforts to contest these laws in court and to invest significant resources into these states to better organize and stop efforts to restrict access at the ballot box. Cinema's filibuster stance inflamed left-wing activists in her own state who are already organizing a primary battle against her, even though she's not up for re-election until 2024. Here's Representative Ruben Godiago on MSNBC. So right now there is an existential threat to democracy, and this excuse that she's using that it may get worse is not true. It is worse. This is the dark times, and she needs to step up, help us pass the voting rights. You don't even have to get rid of the filibuster. Make the exception to the voting rights act, much like you just made the exception to the filibuster two weeks ago to raise the debt limit. All right, meanwhile, embattled Vice President Kamala Harris is reportedly attempting a course correction after a first year in office filled with stumbles. All right, 77 WABC time check, 515. Let's head over to Justin Ellick with a look at sports. Thanks, Deb. How are you? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Hope your weekend was swell. Obviously, the rain is not a pleasant surprise, but hey, at least it's not snow. Weekend filled with football and food. There you go. There you go. And I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. There was more than enough football to go around this weekend as Wild Card Weekend in the NFL kicked off this season's playoff push. Saturday saw Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals defeat the Las Vegas Raiders at home by a score of 26-19. to In Buffalo, the Bills took it to the New England Patriots, sending them home with a 47-17 to first-round shellacking. My beloved Eagles will kick rocks as well as they didn't fare much better in Tampa Bay. The 31-15 to final score can't even do that game justice as Tom Brady and the Bucks made the Eagles look like an AFL team. The last of the two NFC East teams to make the playoffs didn't last long either, as the Dallas Cowboys will be heading home early after a 23-17 loss at home to the San Francisco 49ers. Last but not least on Sunday, in what was most likely Ben Roethlisberger's swan song, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Steelers excuse me, fell to the Kansas City Chiefs 42-21. The opening act of this year's NFL playoffs will wrap up tonight in Los Angeles, where the Chargers will welcome the Arizona Cardinals. That kickoff is set for 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's get local now with some basketball and hockey, as all five local teams were off yesterday. Let's look ahead as the Knicks are at home this afternoon for a matinee date with the Charlotte Hornets, set for a 1 p.m. Eastern Time tip. The Nets are in Cleveland a couple of hours later for a 3 p.m. Eastern time meeting with the Cavaliers. Quick look into the NHL's crystal ball as well as the Islanders welcome the Philly Flyers to town this evening for a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time faceoff. The Devils are postponed tonight in Toronto and will return to action Wednesday night when they face the Phoenix Coyotes at home. And the Rangers will join them at the same time come Wednesday when they battle the Maple Leafs at the Garden. Finally, some closure regarding the Novak Djokovic debacle in Australia as the world number one tennis player left Australia late on Sunday after the federal court upheld a government decision to cancel his visa. The tennis superstar faces an automatic three-year ban from entering the country 
though Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison has left the door open for Djokovic to compete at next year's Australian Open. That's your early news sports update, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, WABC time check coming up on 518. Let's get a look at the roads and the rails with Brandy Scott. Well, thank you so much. We've got a messy ride out there. Because of the weather, you're going to see some flooding on the Van Wick southbound over by Jewel Avenue, a lane or two out there. More flooding on the southbound side approaching the belt. You're a bit heavy on the belt in both directions heading over to JFK. Deegan southbound, you've got no access between the Cross Bronx and Yankee Stadium. That's because of water on the roadway. Still looking pretty good if you're heading inbound across the Hudson at the George Lincoln and Holland. Over in New Jersey, avoid 287 northbound over by Skyline Drive, we've got a jackknife jacked trailer taking out all lanes. Alternate side suspended for the holiday. Meter rolls remain in effect. I'm Brandy Scott on Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Brandy. 77 WABC time check coming up on 518, 46 degrees. We have a wind chill advisory posted till 8 this morning. Rain until about 1 this afternoon, then a slight chance of snow showers after 4. Cloudy, the temperature will fall throughout the day to about 37 degrees by late afternoon. Wind gusts as high as 33 miles per hour. Cloudy skies overnight, then gradual clearing towards daybreak with a low around 26 and a wind chill between 15 and 25. Again, right now, 46 degrees here in the city. 77 WABC time check 519. Deb Valentine with your early news. Now let's head over to Frank Diaz with a look at business. Good morning, Deb. Well, Dow futures and S&P 500 futures declined slightly Sunday night while NASDAQ futures fell a little bit modestly. The stock market rally is teetering with last week's short-lived rebound quickly fizzling. Dow Jones futures lost 0.1% versus fair value. S&P 500 futures dipped about 0.2%. NASDAQ 100 futures fell about half a percent. Crude oil futures also rose slightly. The U.S. markets will be closed today in observance of Martin Luther King Jr., although the exchanges around the world are open. Well, a combination of labor shortages, shipping costs, and cold weather has left the grocery store shelves across the country empty. According to some reports, produce growers on the West Coast are paying nearly triple trucking rates. And on the East Coast, snow and ice storms, as we talked about earlier, have created massive food delivery delays. Ouch. Well, grocery stores and other retailers face a 12% out-of-stock level on many household staples compared to 7 to 10% in regular times. According to CBS News, compounding the problem is inflation. The rate jumped about 7% since December 2020. Well, companies are bracing for another round of potentially debilitating supply chain disruptions as China, about to get about home to one third of global manufacturing, imposes sweeping lockdowns in an attempt to keep Omicron at bay. The measure has confined tens of millions of people to their homes in several Chinese cities and contributed to a suspension of connecting flights through Hong Kong from much of the world for the next month. At least 20 million people, or about 1.5% of China's population, are in lockdown, mostly in the city of Xi'an and western China and in Henan province in north-central China. The country's zero-tolerance policy has manufacturers already on edge from spending the last two years dealing with crippling supply chain woes, worried about another round of shutdowns as Chinese factories and ports. Well, so if you're trying to get some groceries, you might have a hard time doing that. All right. Hopefully supply chain issues will get better. All right. Some good old-fashioned police work, and that is how detectives arrested Winston Glynn. He's the guy they believe killed Crystal Bayron, the 19-year-old Burger King cashier in Harlem. Now, Glenn, behind bars, and according to several law enforcement officials, he shouldn't have been out on the streets to begin with. 
77 WABC Radio's Lydia Serrani goes in-depth on this story with Paul D. Giacuomo. He's president of the Detectives Endowment Association. And this is Lydia Serrani, and on the line with me right now is the president of the Detectives Endowment Association, Paul Giacomo. The NYPD once again doing an incredible job. Detectives made an arrest in that horrific Harlem Burger King shooting of 19-year-old Crystal Bayron Nieves, and they did it with uh, good old-fashioned police work. Tell me about it. Well, you know, uh, the detectives from the uh, 2-5 Precinct and the Manhattan North Homicide Squad and various other units uh, uh, in the Detective Bureau uh, did an amazing job in, in tracking down this this individual. Uh, it was good, old-fashioned uh, detective work. It was, uh, you know, pounding the pavement and getting clues and speaking to witnesses and canvassing to get video, uh, video of this individual. And uh, they tracked him down and they made the arrest. You know, I hope this gives some closure and some comfort to the, the, fam- the poor family of the victim. It's terrible that the family has to, uh, you know, deal with the loss of a child. Uh, but at least the individual that's responsible uh, for the crime will be held accountable. Police said they looked at the surveillance cameras in the subway system. He hopped on the sixth train. They noticed based on a belt buckle, they it was a guest belt buckle. They matched it to an Instagram photo, also his ear pods his backpack and even the way he walked his gait it's really mm-hmm. incredible just how sophisticated and if we just allow police to do their jobs how much safer our city would be yes well you know new york city detectives uh, are out there every day uh doing their job you know behind every crime uh crime is a victim and behind every uh victim is an nypd detective investigating that crime to try and bring some uh, closure uh, to that victim or that family. November 30th, this suspect was arrested for menacing with a knife. I know that's a misdemeanor, but he has he has seven other arrests under his belt, several of them violent. Why wasn't he put away? Why didn't he get some kind of mental help? It seems like he's he's been off for quite some time now. It just goes to show you that, uh, you know, the criminal element feels emboldened. Uh, and the more that loosen up the reins on the criminal element, the more emboldened they'll, they'll become until a tragedy like this happens. Now, this person uh, should, should have gotten either been incarcerated in jail or gotten help. Uh, and this probably would not have happened. So what I think has to happen is our politicians, our district attorneys, have to uh, prosecute these crimes to the fullest and not lose focus of the good law-abiding citizens of the city and the state and start doing victim reform, not just police reform. From your lips to God's ears, well, thank you so much, uh, Paul Giacomo. Again, he is the president of the Detectives Endowment Association. And this is Lydia Serrani for 77 WABC News. Glenn's still awaiting arraignment. The WABC Early News. All right, a sit-in at a Times Square Olive Garden. This happened Friday night. Video posted to social media shows a group of protesters arrested for refusing to show proof of their COVID-19 vaccinations. Now, about a half dozen protesters staged a sit-in late Friday night at the Times Square Olive Garden in protest of New York City's vaccine mandate for indoor dining. So I encourage everyone here to understand what we're doing. It's for you. It's for you. All right. So these protesters reportedly remained inside the Olive Garden for about two hours, refusing to leave. That prompted the restaurant, which usually stays open till midnight to close early. The New York Post reported that the responding officers told the protesters they would have to leave the restaurant or they would be arrested. 
Some left, but videos posted to social media show three men and one woman being let out of the restaurant in handcuffs. The identities of the four people arrested in that protest haven't been released, but they were released from custody and are expected to be charged with trespassing. Well, there's been a big spike in remote work offerings related to jobs right here in New York City. The new data is from the New York Post and says New York City firms offered nearly quadruple the number of remote jobs to new applicants in the past year. The key industries with the highest jump in their virtual work offers amid the coronavirus pandemic included administrative information and financial services. In early 2020, there were 6,700 out of over 163,000 postings for city jobs that could be filled by remote workers, or about 4% of the total. But this past December, there were over 25,000 out of 243,000 job postings for the same work. Now, that's almost 11%. And, of course, uh, this effect is costing businesses, transit, and city coffers. A poll that was conducted by New York City Partnership back in November found that just 28% of Manhattan workers were actually back at their desks on an average workday 18 months into the viral pandemic. And a just-released national survey, which was done by Morning Consult, found that 55% of respondents teleworking from home said they would consider quitting their jobs if they were forced to return to their office desks before they felt that it was actually safe. 77 WABC time check, 527. Let's get a look at the uh, highways and uh, transit with Brandy Scott. Well, starting out with mass transit because of the holiday, Metro North is running on a Saturday schedule. LIRR, a normal weekday schedule. New Jersey Transit running on a holiday weekend schedule. Keep in mind, alternate sides suspended and meter rules in effect. LIE westbound slowing down, heading over to Searingtown Road. We've got a collision out there blocking a lane near bumper to bumper from Willis Avenue. Still closed on the upper deck of the Verrazano in both directions because of the high winds. Deegan southbound out with flooding on the roadway over by Yankee Stadium. Still doing fine heading inbound across the Hudson at the George Lincoln and Hollands. I'm Brandy Scott on Sock Radio 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Brandy. Taking a look now at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We do have a wind advisory till 8 o'clock this morning. This rain is expected to continue until early afternoon. Then we have a slight chance of snow showers again after 4 o'clock. Cloudy today. The temperature will fall throughout the day to about 37 degrees by late afternoon. Wind gusts could be as high as 33 miles per hour. Cloudy tonight, gradual clearing towards daybreak. The low around 26. The wind chill overnight between 15 and 25 degrees. Right now, 46 degrees here in New York City. Baltimore's top prosecutor, we talked about this last week on the 77 WABC Early News. Marilyn Mosby said on Friday she was innocent of wrongdoing, vowing to fight charges against her. Now, her statements come a day after Mosby was indicted on federal charges of perjury and filing false loan applications. It's all related to the purchase of two Florida vacation homes. Mosby, elected the state's attorney back in 2015, said she was the victim of a ploy by political adversaries seeking to unseat her. I am innocent of the charges that have been levied against me, and I intend to fight with every ounce of energy within my being to prove my innocence and to clear my name. I will fight these charges with everything I have in me, and I will be victorious. 
So Mosby is accused of falsely claiming twice to have suffered a work-related financial hardship from COVID-19 in order to request two early withdrawals totaling about $90,000 from her city employee retirement account. Prosecutors said Mosby used the money she received, $36,000 in May 2020, and $45,000 on December 31st of that year towards down payments on Florida vacation homes. All right, 77 WABC News Time is 5.30. Deb Valentine with your early news. And, of course, we also have sports, weather, traffic, and business coming up. We'll be back right after the break. Entertaining and informative. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Hi, welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine. We have sports, weather, and traffic and business news coming up. It is, of course, a federal holiday this Monday in observance of the Martin Luther King Jr. federal holiday. Here's your top five at 530. It's the top five at 530. A blast of wintry weather for the tri-state causing dangerous conditions out there on the roadways. This mixed bag of snow, rain and wind. The latest on Saturday's fatal subway push of an Asian woman. It happened at the 42nd Street subway station. Prosecutors are quitting over the new Manhattan DA's lax policies, soft policies on crime. Police shot and killed a gunman who held hostages at a Texas synagogue over the weekend. But the investigation continues, including why the man flew into the U.S. just two weeks ago. And scientists are speculating that there could be even more COVID-19 variants that emerge around the globe. All right, a blast of winter weather here in the tri-state area, bringing winds and dumping a mixed bag of rain and snow. The dicey weather continuing into today. Well, snow actually began to fall about 7 last night, but has since changed over to mostly rain. New York's Governor Kathy Hochul Sunday urged New Yorkers to stay off the roadways this holiday to avoid getting stranded if you can. She says she doesn't want a repeat of a situation seen earlier this month down on I-95 in Virginia where motorists were trapped on roadways for more than 24 hours during that severe winter storm following a tractor-trailer crash. Hochul also warning of flooding in coastal areas of Long Island, potential power outages as well because of high winds. I'm saying right now, prepare for the worst. Have enough food, have enough batteries in your in your flashlights. Be prepared for what could be happening this event or other snow events as we're still in the early months of winter. Now, officials say the State Department of Transportation has about 4,000 personnel working through the storm and about another 20,000 mobilized just in case winds up to 60 miles per hour. Coastal flooding are forecast across Long Island and along the Connecticut Sound. Well, the ex-convict who is under arrest for fatally shoving an Asian woman into the path of an oncoming subway train over the weekend at the 42nd Street subway station told reporters he shoved Michelle Alyssa go because he is God. An eyewitness to this horror, Maria Cosweber was standing feet away from the homeless ex-con when he shoved go. She says he shoved, showed absolutely no emotion as he shoved the Asian woman to her death. So the suspect, 61-year-old Simon Marshall, fled the 42nd Street subway station after allegedly shoving the woman right into the path of the R train early Saturday. He then turned himself into cops. He now faces a charge of murder. 
The victim in the subway push-go is Asian, but police say the fatality is not being investigated as a hate crime. New York City Mayor Eric Adams had said Saturday during a press conference that law enforcement was working with the office of the new Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, in discussing what charges would be lodged in that high-profile case, that man, that suspect, and that now charged with murder. Meanwhile, nine prosecutors out of Bragg's office have quit since Bragg announced his soft-on-crime policies. Bragg's controversial day-one memo that was issued on January 3rd, told assistant district attorneys to not seek prison sentences for many criminals and to downgrade some felonies to misdemeanors. Here's New York Representative Lee Zeldin on Newsmax last week. DA stands for district attorney, not defense attorney. If he wants to keep criminals out of prison, he should go be a defense attorney. He has a job where he took an oath to enforce the law. It's not up to him to decide that across the board, all sorts of different crimes should go without prosecution. So Bragg's policies have led to an online petition as well, calling for his removal. Among those who've departed the DA's office is senior trial counsel Joan Aluzi Orban. She successfully prosecuted Harvey Weinstein. She also won a 2016 conviction in the infamous 1979 murder of Ethan Patz. A lot of questions about the 44-year-old British man shot dead by FBI officials after holding four people hostage at a synagogue north of Dallas over the weekend. Authorities say this 44-year-old man is a British Muslim, Malik Faisal Agram. He is from Blackburn in the U.K. He flew over to the United States just two weeks ago. He apparently lived in homeless shelters and even bought a gun on the streets, despite his criminal background. Akram died in a hail of bullets following a 10-hour standoff Saturday at Congregation Beth Israel Synagogue in Colleyville. That's 27 miles from Dallas. Here's Colleyville Police Chief Michael Miller. Colleyville is one of the safest cities in Texas, and uh, this is something that you don't ever expect to have in your own city. All right, the dead man's family said Akram suffered from mental health issues. Akram had demanded the release of Lady Al-Qaeda, who's serving 86 years at FMC Carlswell, New York, for the attempted murder of U.S. military personnel. Two teenagers are also held after being arrested in Manchester in the U.K. 77 WABC Time Check, 537. Let's get a look at the roads and the rails. Well, definitely. Definitely going to need a lot of extra time if you're heading out right now, especially in the Hudson Valley. We've got some icy conditions out there on the roadways. Speed restriction in place at the Tappan Zee Bridge. Slick conditions on the Hutch and the Bronx River Parkway moving through New Rochelle and Yonkers. Thruway southbound, watch out for a crash. It's over by the Woodbury Tolls, causing some slowdowns. In New Jersey, 9W out in Englewood Cliffs in both directions by Clinton Avenue for an ongoing accident investigation. We've also got a crash on the Turnpike northbound in the car lanes by Newark Airport, a lane out by Interchange 14. Some flooding on the Garden State Parkway northbound. You want to take it slow. Two lanes are blocked by the Essex Toll Plaza. I'm Brandy Scott on Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, 77 WABC. Time check 538. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We do have a wind advisory that remains in effect until 8 this morning. 
Rain showers are expected to linger until at least one this afternoon. Then we have a slight chance of snow showers late afternoon. Cloudy skies. Temperatures will fall throughout the day to about 37 degrees by late afternoon. And wind gusts could be as high as 33 miles per hour. Cloudy tonight, then gradual clearing towards daybreak with a low around 26. The wind chill will make it feel like 15 to 25 degrees overnight. All right, right now in Manhattan, we have a reading of 46 degrees, light rain. Well, taking a look now at this uh, story we mentioned earlier about Omicron, scientists are predicting that Omicron might not be the last version of COVID-19 to emerge around the globe. The latest strain of COVID-19 spread faster than its predecessor, despite immunity from things like vaccines and, of course, recovered COVID-19 victims. And scientists say that means more people in whom the virus can further evolve. All right, 77 WABC time check, 539. There's a new report out that former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is gearing up for yet another presidential run in 2024. WABC Radio's Lydia Serrani spoke with political analyst Doug Schoen, and you'll hear why he thinks a Clinton-Trump matchup is all but inevitable. And this is Lydia Serrani, and on the line with me right now is political analyst Doug Schoen. How are you, Mr. Schoen? I'm doing great. You had quite the interesting article that sent uh, a lot of uh, tongues wagging. Hillary Clinton, third time's a charm, 2024, could it possibly be? Given the failings of the Biden administration and the relative uh, lack of popularity of both the president and the vice president, the fact that Democrats don't have a deep bench and seemingly only Hillary and Bill Clinton recognize that the Democratic Party needs to move to the center, I would make the argument that if not Secretary Clinton, then who? We want to win in 2024, and we're not going to win with the current team and the current approach. That's for sure. Right now, Biden's approval ratings are 33 percent. Isn't that the lowest a president has ever had? It's pretty darn pretty darn low, pretty hard to go below that. Um, otherwise, you're getting into the hardcore mainstream Democratic constituency. So, yes, it's very, very low. And I don't see anything on the uh, horizon that's going to improve it. So this makes Secretary Clinton a more likely and logical contender for 2024. I'm going to sound completely crazy right now. I think it would be really, really close between the two. I think it would be close, too. And for those of us who are moderate Democrats, I would have a very difficult time supporting Joe Biden or somebody advocating the policies of Joe Biden. But Secretary Clinton, who I have agreed with and disagreed with at times, um, I think what she's saying now about where the Democratic Party needs to be is where people like me and a lot of moderates think. So um, I think she offers the possibility of national leadership yet again. Well, thank you so much, political analyst Doug Schoen. And again, this is Lydia Serrani with 77 WABC News. And recent polls also show that Vice President Kamala Harris's polling numbers are even lower than President Biden's. The WABC Early News. Many voters in Paradise Valley, Arizona, regret actually switching their support to President Biden in the 2020 election. Some told the DailyMail.com that they'd now rather vote for Donald Trump should he choose to run again. Of course, there's been no official announcement. Biden has already declared that he will run again in 2024 when he'll be 81 years old if he's in good health. Here's Republican South Dakota Senator Mike Rounds on ABC. 
We looked at over 60 different accusations in multiple states. While there were some irregularities, there were none of the irregularities which would have risen to the point where they would have changed the vote outcome in a single state. The election was fair, as fair as we've seen. Uh, we simply did not win the election as Republicans for the presidency. Trump has already built up a $115 million election war chest through donations sent to his website, despite being banned by social media sites such as Facebook and Twitter for peddling misinformation about the election. Trump continues to hold enormous support in America's heartland. And speaking of Trump, the former president held his first political rally of the new year in Arizona on Friday. During the rally, Trump continued to insist that he had won the 2020 election without evidence. At this large rally held in Florence, Arizona, Trump again claimed that he had actually won the state in 2020. Last year, we had a rigged election and the proof is all over the place. We have a lot of proof and they know it's proof. They always talk about the big lie. They're the big lie. All right, Trump lost Arizona to Joe Biden 49.4% to 49.1%. Election officials in Maricopa County said they had discovered 38 potential voting fraud cases during an exhaustive review of a total of 2.1 million ballots. Well, Republican Glenn Youngkin was sworn in on Saturday as Virginia's 74th governor wasting no time on signing off on executive orders. Youngkin took immediate action on the hot pushing issues that secured his upset victory over former Governor Terry McAuliffe back in November. During his inaugural speech, Youngkin promised to restore trust in government and to restore power to the people. In an optimistic inaugural speech, he called for bipartisanship. Today we gather not as individuals... And we celebrate the sound of freedom. Youngkin quickly signed off on nine executive orders and two executive directives that banned the use of critical race theory and other divisive concepts in public schools. He also rescinded his predecessor's vaccine mandate for all state employees. Governor Youngkin proclaimed that parents must decide whether their kids need to mask up in schools or not. All right, 77 WABC time check, 545. Deb Valentine with the early news. Let's head over to Justin Ellett. Right across, sports. Right, right across across the table. Right across the table there, Deb. Exactly. Over to me, Justin Ellick, with your early news sports update. There was more than enough football to go around this weekend as wildcard weekend in the NFL kicked off this season's playoff push. Saturday saw Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals defeat the Las Vegas Raiders at home by a score of 26-19. In Buffalo, the Bills took it to the New England Patriots, sending them home with a 47-17 first-round shellacking. My beloved Eagles will kick rocks as well as they didn't fare much better in Tampa Bay. 31-15 final score. Can't even do that game justice as Tom Brady and the Bucks made the Eagles look like an AFL team. The last, <laughs> the last of two NFC East teams to make the playoffs didn't last long either as the Dallas Cowboys will be heading home early after a 23-17 loss at home to the San Francisco 49ers. Last but not least on Sunday in what was most likely Ben Roethlisberger's swan song, the Pittsburgh Steelers fell to the Kansas City Chiefs 42-21. The opening act of this year's NFL playoffs will wrap up tonight in Los Angeles where the Chargers will welcome the Arizona Cardinals. 
That kickoff is set for 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. Let's get local now with some basketball and hockey as all five local teams were off yesterday. Let's look ahead as the Knicks are at home this afternoon for a matinee date with the Charlotte Hornets set for a 1 p.m. Eastern time tip. The Nets are in Cleveland a couple of hours later for a 3 p.m. Eastern time meeting with the Cavaliers. Quick look into the NHL's crystal ball as well as the Islanders welcome the Philly Flyers to town this evening for a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time faceoff. The Devils are postponed tonight in Toronto and will return to action Wednesday night when they face the Phoenix Coyotes at home. And the Rangers will join them at the same time come Wednesday when they battle the Maple Leafs at the Garden. Finally, some closure regarding the Novak Djokovic debacle in Australia as the world number one tennis player left Australia late on Sunday after the federal court upheld a government decision to cancel his visa. The tennis superstar faces an automatic three-year ban from entering the country, though Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison has left the door open for Djokovic to compete at next year's Australian Open. That's your early news sports update, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, who's going to win that game tonight? Who's going to win that game? I, I got the Cardinals, I think. Uh, I like too. the Cardinals, yeah. Me too. We'll see if we eat our words again tomorrow. Plus, <laughs> our hey, last, uh, our last prediction was wrong. Exactly. So we'll tight, end, right. tight end number one, Zach Ertz, too, is a former Eagle, so that's why I'm rooting for him. All right. There you go. Keep hope alive. All right. Here's Brandy Scott with Traffic and Transit. Well, we've got a crash on the Bruckner southbound over by the Sheridan. The right lane now, just a minor delay so far. Deegan southbound blocked with flooding between the Cross Bronx and Yankee Stadium. Traffic is being moved off onto the Cross Bronx. Some more flooding on the Cross Island southbound. A lane down over by the LIE. Over in New Jersey, 80 westbound. You want to take it easy. Approaching Squirrelwood Road. Two lanes out with flooding by exit 56 in Woodland Park. Mass transit because of the holiday. Metro North is running on a Saturday schedule. Schedule. LIRR, a normal weekday schedule. New Jersey Transit, that's running on a holiday weekend schedule. Alternate sites suspended. Meter rules are in effect. I'm Brandy Scott on Sock Radio 77 WABC. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We do have a wind advisory till late this morning. Rain continues until early afternoon. Slight chance of snow showers late afternoon. Cloudy, the temperature will fall throughout the day to about 37 late afternoon. Wind gusts as high as 33. Gradual clearing overnight, the low around 26, and the wind chill overnight between 15 and 25. So things a little different for investors uh, this uh, Martin Luther King Jr. federal holiday. Here's Frank Diaz with your business report. Good morning, Deb. Well, Dow futures and S&P 500 futures declined slightly Sunday night. While NASDAQ futures fell modestly, the stock market rallies teetering with last week's short-lived rebound quickly fizzling out. Well, the Dow Jones futures lost about 0.1% versus fair value. S&P 500 futures dipped about 0.2%. NASDAQ 100 futures fell about a half a percent. Crude oil futures rose a little bit. U.S. markets will be closed today in observance of the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, though other exchanges around the world are open. Well, a combination of labor shortages, shipping costs, and the cold weather has left grocery store shelves across the country empty. Producer Produce growers on the West Coast are paying nearly triple trucking rates, according to Reuters. On the East Coast, snow and ice storms have created massive food delivery delays. Grocery stores and other retailers face, face a 12% out-of-stock level on many household staples compared to a 7 to 10% in regular times, according to CBS News. Compounding the problem is inflation. The rate jumped about 7% since December 2020. 
Well, speaking of which, companies are bracing for another round of potentially debilitating supply chain disruptions as China, home to about one-third of the global manufacturing, imposes sweeping lockdowns in an attempt to keep the Omicron variant of coronavirus at bay. The measures have confined tens of millions of people to their homes in several Chinese cities and contributed to a suspension of connecting flights through Hong Kong for much of the world for the next month. At least 20 million people, which is about... One and a half percent of China's population, that's a lot of people, are in lockdown, mostly in the city of Xi'an in western China and in Hunan province in north central China. The country's zero tolerance policy has manufacturers already on edge from spending the last two years dealing with crippling supply chain woes, worried about another round of shutdowns at Chinese factories and ports. So if you're trying to buy a couple things, you might have a little bit of a problem, but we'll see. All right, thanks, Frank. 77 WABC Time Check, 551. We're working our way to the Bernie and Sit in the Morning program coming up at 6 o'clock. Well, we had a sit-in at a Times Square Olive Garden. This happened Friday night. Video posted to social media shows. A group of protesters who were arrested for refusing to show proof of COVID-19 vaccinations, about a half dozen protesters, actually staged a sit-in at the Olive Garden Friday night, uh, Times Square Olive Garden, in protest of New York City's vaccine mandate for indoor dining. I encourage everyone here to understand what we're doing. It's for you. It's for you. All right. According to Fox, the protesters reportedly remained inside the Olive Garden for about two hours, refusing to leave. And that prompted the restaurant, which usually stays open till midnight, to close early. The New York Post reporting that the responding officers told the protesters they had to leave the restaurant or they'd be arrested. A couple left, but uh, three men and one woman ended up being let out of the establishment in handcuffs. The identities not released, although they were arrested and uh, these protesters released from custody and they are expected to be charged with trespassing. There's been a big spike in remote work offerings related to jobs in Manhattan. New data out from the New York Post says New York City firms offered nearly quadruple the number of remote jobs to new applicants in the past year. So COVID really changing things here. The key industries with the highest jump in virtual work offerings amid the coronavirus pandemic included administrative, information and financial services. Now, in early 2020, there were 6,700 out of over 163,000 postings for city jobs that could be filled by remote workers, or 4% of the total offered. So in this past December, there were over 25,000 out of 243,000 job postings for the same work. Now, that's almost 11%. And, of course, uh, it's costing businesses, transit, and city coffers from people not being in Manhattan and in office. A poll conducted by New York City Partnership in November found just 28 percent of Manhattan workers were actually back at their desks on an average workday 18 months into the viral pandemic. And a just released national survey by Morning Consult found that 55 percent of respondents teleworking from home said they would actually consider quitting their jobs if they were forced to return to their office desks before they felt that it was actually safe to do so. New Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg admitted Sunday that his first two weeks in office have been challenging. That amid backlash over his progressive prosecutorial policies. He spoke to congregants during morning service at Abenician Baptist Church in Harlem. Bragg, a former federal prosecutor, insisted he's the right man for the job. The reality is, and many of you 
No, because I cried on your shoulders or you prayed with me. Uh, you know, in this very community, this village of Harlem, before I turned 21, I had a semi-automatic weapon pointed at my head. Uh, I had a knife to my throat. Uh, a homicide victim on my doorstep. And was shot at. I know public safety. But Bragg's crime-fighting tactics have been panned by critics as too lax, as New York City has seen upticks in each and every major crime category for 2021, except one burglary. New NYPD Police Commissioner Keechant Sewell has said she fears Bragg's policies put cops and the public at risk. Local Republicans have backed an online campaign, meanwhile, to oust the top prosecutor from office, the petition on change.org has already gotten nearly 10,000 signatures so far. It's on change.org. And more negative reaction to the Manhattan DA's soft on crime policies. Restaurant owners weighing in. They say the uptick in crime is already creating fear among their workers. Restaurant owners feel that Bragg's new plan could make things even worse. I have right now night shift waiters that they're refusing to work at night time because they're afraid to take the train to go home. And one of them actually quit because of that reason. All right, and some restaurant owners are even taking matters into their own hands by hiring things like private security. Bragg has publicly announced that he will continue to prosecute armed robbery and assaults as felonies. However, low-level offenders are being put back out onto the streets. And a spokesperson from the DA's office doubled down on Bragg's commitment to deal swiftly and sternly with those who threaten violent harm. Well, cops say a suspected carjacker who escaped from a Brooklyn hospital while in NYPD custody surrendered Saturday after spending three days on the lam. This guy's name is Akeem Williams. He was arrested on a warrant Wednesday for pretending to have a gun and stealing a black 2014 BMW on Osborne Street near Linden Boulevard in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn. After his arrest, Williams complained of chest pains, and he was then taken to nearby Brookdale University Hospital, where he made his getaway. Video showed the still handcuffed Williams running away from Brookdale Hospital without shoes on. That happened about 830 in the morning. It's unclear just where he spent his time on the run before turning himself in later in the day. And Williams at last report was actually awaiting arraignment in Brooklyn Criminal Court on Sunday. All right. 77 WABC time check is 557. It's time to get a look at what's happening on the roads and the rails with Brandy Scott. Well, the weather really doing a number on the roads in New Jersey. Route 4 eastbound completely shut down by Teaneck Road in Teaneck. We've got some downed power lines blocking all lanes. Traffic is being moved off onto Queen Anne Road. 80 eastbound flooding on the ramp to the Garden State Parkway in Saddlebrook. You want to take it slow exiting there. Still in pretty good shape inbound across the Hudson at the George Lincoln and Holland. Messy ride on the BQE eastbound. Two lanes out with flooding over by Cadman Plaza. Some more flooding on the west side highway southbound by 96th Street. Only one lane is getting by there. Mass Transit F trains are running late because of signal issues near Parsons Boulevard. I'm Brandy Scott on Soccer Radio 77 WABC. Taking a look at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We do have a wind advisory until 8 o'clock this morning. A chance of rain showers continuing until early afternoon. Then we have a slight chance of snow showers late afternoon. 
Cloudy today. The temperatures will fall throughout the day to about 37 by 4 p.m. Wind gusts as high as 33 miles per hour. Tonight, cloudy skies and gradual clearing towards daybreak with a low around 26. The wind chill overnight will make it feel like 15 to 25 degrees. And right now we have a reading of 41 degrees, light rain here in Manhattan. 77 WABC News time is 5.58. We're working our way to the Bernie and Sid in the morning program. Baltimore's top prosecutor, Marilyn Mosby, she said on Friday she was innocent of wrongdoing, vowing to fight charges against her. Now, her statements come a day after Mosby was indicted on federal charges of perjury and filing false loan applications. It's all related to the purchase of two Florida vacation homes. Mosby was elected state's attorney back in 2015. She said she was the victim of a ploy by political adversaries seeking to unseat her. I am innocent of the charges that have been levied against me, and I intend to fight with every ounce of energy within my being to prove my innocence and to clear my name. I will fight these charges with everything I have in me, and I will be victorious. All right, Marilyn Mosby there on Friday. She's accused of falsely claiming twice to have suffered a work-related financial hardship from COVID-19 in order to request two early withdrawals totaling $90,000 from her city employee retirement account. Prosecutors said Mosby used that money she received, $36,000 in May and $45,000 in December, towards down payments on Florida vacation homes. Deb Ballantyne with your 77 WABC Early News. Bernie and Sid coming up at 6 o'clock.